and most importantly, welcome to DirtOnDirt.com. This is the Rigsby Report for Monday, June 15th, and I, I start with an apology. The idea was to have this podcast at least twice a month, or at the very least, once a month. And then when quarantine started and everything with coronavirus, we were ripping right through that. And I thought, okay, well, this is, this is going to be easy. There's no racing. I'm going to knock these things out, no problem. And it was going well. Tyler Carpenter and Bill Fry were two of the best ones that we did. That was um, in March and early April. But then a weird thing happened amidst all of the other non-racing content we were creating, the stay-at-homes and the takes and all the cool coronavirus content time we were creating. About one month into quarantine, mid-April, I and some others started realizing, oh, we're about to start racing again <laughs> at the end of the month. And what started at Ray Cook's track in late April at Tri-County in North Carolina, a night that will always go down is incredibly special in my heart. It started there. It then wove through eight states and nearly 22 nights of racing and culminated with the Dirt Late Model stream last week at Eldora. It was as busy as I have ever been in my entire career. We were booking races on a Tuesday that were to be run on a Thursday. It was just an, an impossible dizzying pace to keep up with but we did we did bring late model racing back to america dirt on dirt flow racing our team we were the first ones to do that and i will always be so freaking proud of that and of everything i've done in my career i will look back so fondly maybe more fondly about that than anything we've done you know no matter what they write on my tombstone or dirt on dirt's tombstone or flow racing's tombstone they can never take that away from us. We also created an entire brand out of that late model night in America, those Wednesday and Thursday night shows, which is which are not done for the year yet, by the way. We're going to have more of them. And we're going to make an even bigger splash with those in 2021. I promise you that. And just so many of those early nights back in motorsports, when motorsports was coming back, so many of those early nights were on DOD and on flow racing. And I feel like a proud dad right now. I just, I wanted to get that off my chest. Uh, and just, just talk about that a little bit because it's been a while since I've done one of these podcasts, which will return to regular pacing now. Uh, but I wanted to touch on that stuff. A few notes before I get to Bobby Pierce. Uh, first one, I, I wanted your opinion and I really want you to hit me up on Twitter. So when you're done listening to this or now pause it and go to Twitter. Uh, what I mean is I want you, the listeners to help me here. I'm struggling. When we look back at this, you know, call it March 10th to May 29th time, or just March 1st through June 1st, if you want that three-month full-on COVID-19 period of 2020, what are we going to remember the most? Hit me up on Twitter, at MFR Dirt on Dirt, at MFR Dirt on Dirt. I, I want to hear your answers. I think mine will just be the uncertainty, and I, I say that in all caps underlined. Drivers, crews, us. The wild mood swings of uncertainty. Uh, the season is canceled. No, no, I, I heard we're racing next week. I actually heard no crowds anywhere till November. It was just so freaking uncertain. And I'm not saying that we're totally out of yet, out of that yet. There are still plenty of races and events that we don't know 
the final verdict on this year, you know, Prairie Dirt Classic, Silver Dollar Nationals, World 100, Firecracker. But we're also racing in front of 4,000 people at Smoky Mountain. So there is so much more normalcy than there was two months ago in the racing world. I just want to know, what are you going to remember the most? For me, it was just that wild, flip-flopping, yo-yoing of uncertainty. Uh, so hit me up on Twitter, at MFR Dirt on Dirt. Uh, secondly, I predict that 2021 will usher in a good amount of change in our sport. What do I mean by that? I think a lot of people, tracks, series, sponsors, again, us, realized you don't have to do things the same way you've always done them to be successful. And I think that goes beyond just, well, it worked because it was Corona times. You know, Lucas goes back to Florida and Georgia for Speed Weeks 2.0. Why not? Why not? Why couldn't they do it every year? I, some people are going to go, oh, Rigsby, they couldn't do it. Why not? I literally think they could do it every year. Um, everyone seemed to love it. I think it was cool. Um, I'm not saying they should or shouldn't, just why not? And if you've seen their, if you've seen Lucas's 2021 speed week schedule, oofta, that is a big boy schedule. I will break that down in a, in a future podcast, talk a little bit more about, um, 13 or 14 races, I think four or five tracks. It's, it's, it's a lot. Uh, it's a little close to Arizona for my liking as well. There's only five days separation, but you know, I think only two guys ran Arizona Lucas guys. Um, Dirt on Dirt puts a series of races together that are unsanctioned and run in the middle of the week. Again, why not? We did bonuses. We did creative purses. That was all us. Us and the tracks. We did that. Why not? Why can't we do that more? And by the way, you're going to see that more. We're going to do it more. Uh, Scheduling at tracks that are totally off the beaten path, but good. Why the hell not? We had fallen in such a rut. The same schedules, the same expectations. Same thing, year after year. We have all learned so much in the last three months. I know I've learned a lot that I will be applying to the rest of this year and beyond. But like I said, buckle up for what we're going to do in 2021. Those changes are coming. If nothing else, I think all of this shook us out of the rut we've been in for a decade, in my opinion. Uh, Last one, then on to Bobby Pierce. I have two questions, two questions for everybody. What is more likely? Option A. Brandon Overton wins driver of the year or option B, we have seen the end of the best of Scott Bloomquist. Option A, Overton wins driver of the year. Option B, we have seen the end of the best of Scott Bloomquist. Not saying he'll never win a race, but just the best of him. We've seen the end of it. What's more likely A or B right now? Brandon Overton looks like the best driver in the country and Scott I think I'd tell him this if I was sitting next to him. I mean, he's the greatest driver of all time. There's no debate about it. He is number one all time, period, end of story. But I'd tell him if he was sitting right next to me, he's as bad right now as I think I've ever seen him at Eldora, Eldora, where he's practically a god. Um, I think he missed the show all three nights, didn't he? Yeah. I don't think he made a single feature. Um, meanwhile, basically it's mechanical failure. The only thing that can keep Overton from winning races right now. So what's more likely? Overton's driver of the year, or we've seen the end of the best of Scott Bloomquist. Think about that. You can hit me up on Twitter for that one also, at MFR Dirt on Dirt. Let's get to Bobby. Before we get to BP32, I wanted to give a shout out to Bomb Chevrolet Buick, who is focused on treating customers right from the start. Since 1928, Bomb has been guiding Central Illinois drivers through the car buying and servicing process, helping you you, the buyer, make the right choices for yourself. 
Visit us today and be treated like family at Bomb Chevrolet Buick. The website, by the way, is bombchevybuick.com. And again, I always throw a personal note about these guys in there. They have been incredible to work with. They are the official live production vehicle of Dirt Under and Flow Racing. And if you buy a car at Bomb, new or used, lifetime subscription to Dirt on Dirt and Flow Racing. Everything we have to offer, you get it for free for the rest of your life if you buy a car at Bomb. I'm hoping some of my Illinois folks listening for Bobby Pierce go to Bomb now and do that. Bomb Chevy Buick. That's B-A-U-M, Bomb, ChevyBuick.com. Check them out today. I don't always text drivers before I interview them, but it was important for me that Bobby Pierce understood what we were doing here. This isn't a typical interview. This is a Rigsby Report interview, and that's not me patting myself on the back. What I'm trying to say here is that honesty is really freaking important. We don't pull punches on this podcast. You, I want you to say what you think, or don't bother coming on. And not only did I text Bobby that, uh, but him and I talked about it before the interview, and he said, yeah, no problem at all. That's, that's something I can definitely do. So here he is with me now on the Integra Shocks and Springs Hotline, Bobby Pierce. Bobby, I'm starting with this one, and it's just going to illustrate to me what kind of show and podcast um, I want this to be. I could make the, argument, make the argument that you are the most polarizing driver in dirt late model racing other than Scott Bloomquist. And Scott's kind of coming to the end of his career, so maybe you take that mantle. I want an honest answer from you. Why do you think that is? Other than Scott, why do you elicit such a negative or positive, very both intense on both sides of the argument, why do you elicit such a reaction like that? Why do you think it is? Oh, man, that's a tough question, honestly, right off the bat. Um, you know, a lot of me doesn't ever really think of it as um as that way you know i just go out there and and do my part and you know just do what i do but um you know scott has won a lot of races and i mean as the stats show i've won a lot of races in my you know i'm 23 and i've won a lot of races i've won a lot of big races um that he's won and uh you know i've had some good battles with scott but I'm I I'm an aggressive driver, you know, I'll say that for sure. Um, you know, I I like to leave everything on the track, you know, I don't there's very few times where I like to back down from a from a fight, you know, like uh this past weekend, you know, I decided to make a lap at Moberly, at Moberly Missouri and pull in. And uh, you know, we blew an engine in qualifying and the track was so rough, you know, you weren't going to be able to pass and probably just would have tore more stuff stuff up it was only three grand to win. So, you know, I kind of had to bite the bullet and, and even that, you know, even though I'm paying for all my own stuff and, you know, I, I know like, like I didn't want to quit just because I mean, I'm, I'm pretty aggressive like that. And with being aggressive, um, <laughs> you make, uh, you know, there's, there's those moments, I guess, uh, that have happened in the past with, with people, you know, I've had, my run-ins with other drivers and stuff and the fans, they eat it up, you know, for sure. You know, we're in a way our sport is somewhat like a, like a WWE, you know, but, but it's real, you know, that's fake, but this is real stuff. But in moments like that, it might happen and in, in their eyes, it might happen differently than what actually happened, you know? So, you know, there, there could be moments where, you know, I'm, I'm thinking one thing, but, you know, fans might think the other thing, like take the Brandon Shepard thing at Fairbury. I, uh, I was perfectly fine with it. You know, it was a clean slider, but you know, half the grandstands were <laughs> probably wanting to throw their beer cans at him. And, 
you know, so I don't know. There's all those moments where um, just things pile up and it's a snowball effect. And then I don't know. I mean, you know, luckily, you know, the, the sport is that intense about it. You know, they're that dedicated to it. You know, they're, you know, the fans are great. You know, we have some of the best fans in the sport and for them to kind of, you know, it's hard for me to think that I am, you know, an idol to so many people, you know, so many young kids, you know, whether they're wanting to race someday or whether they don't want to race someday, but they just look up to me. You know, I get the messages on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat and uh, so much that I can't keep up with it. And it's a good feeling. And then it's also, it's a, it's another feeling, you know, I, I do see those comments where, you know, they're like, take this uh, two weekends ago at the dream or the stream, <laughs> you know, I, I, I tore the hell out of the car. You know, people are like, oh, he, he's never going to make any money. He, he beats the hell out of the car. You know, that car would never be able to race again or whatever. It's like, you know, it was all fixed up and ready to go the next weekend. You know, I fixed the body panels myself. Like, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's That's one thing about the sport that I, I do like so much is we can have these, these profiles, these, uh, you know, they, they make us out to be more than what we all think we are, actually. Do you, the fans do. And you, that's, that's pretty cool. You mentioned the word aggressive. Do you think, and I, and I always say this about you, and I've said it about Josh Richards back in the day when, when people thought he was too aggressive. I always, and this is no disrespect to Jimmy Owens, who might want to be the, might be one of the five greatest dirt late model drivers of all time. But I always joke about Jimmy. I always say they can't all be Jimmy Owens. Like, I don't think I've ever seen Jimmy Owens, like, like ruffle one quarter panel, right? Like, ever. And I said, they can't all be Jimmy Owens. The guys that are kind of in the middle of the track on the bottom have this great success, aren't blasting the cushion, aren't, like, super aggressive. And what I mean by that is, you said you're aggressive. Do you think at some times you're too aggressive? Have you ever thought, eh, maybe I'm too aggressive? Uh, yeah, sometimes, but then, you know, you look back, honestly, I have a lot more moments where I look back at a dirt on dirt video and I say, wow, I wasn't aggressive enough. Yeah. A lot, way more moments than, than when I said, well, I was too aggressive. Here's what I don't understand. At many of these shows, you are the show. And by that, I mean, you're knocking the deck out of the car. You're burying it on the cushion, which is just flat out more exciting than watching a, um, a Bloomquist car run the middle or run the bottom sometimes. And I don't mean Scott himself, but those cars are more made to run the middle and run the bottom. Don't you think fans would just eventually say, you know what, fuck it. This kid's just too talented. He's too good. I don't care about any of these run-ins he's had in the past. He's just too fun to watch. Because that's, that's how I feel about you. You are too talented and too fun to watch to give a shit about anything else. Don't you think fans at some point would just say that? <laughs> no, you know, I know there never will be that moment. You know, there's always there's always going to be people with their own opinions. Um, you know, look at everything that's going on in the world right now. You know, so many people have different opinions about everything. And uh, so, no, you know, uh, and that's cool. You know, everyone can have their own opinion about stuff. And at the end of the day, I'm just doing what uh, what I think is going to work best. You know, if that means beating the spoiler off of it to, to win the race or, or possibly go from seventh to sixth in a race, I'll do it, you know. Um, but, you know, if there comes a time, you know, yeah, I mean, there's so, so much. Like the cars nowadays are so technical. And, uh, you know, if you miss it a little bit and, and the track allows you, though, to make up for it, you know, you do the things that you can. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we have a good car around, you know, the bottom too, but I just like the top better, I guess, you know, you can look guys like Ryan Unziger, you know, he's been in a Pierce car for the past however many years. And he's normally that guy winning those races on the bottom. He comes out of nowhere. So, 
Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And, um, you know, I wanted to touch actually on the, on the Bloomquist comment again, uh, cause I was thinking about something, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, my dad, you know, um, you know, he, whether he had all this money or what, and, you know, so he gave everything to me, which in fact, he, you know, he did, you know, I wouldn't be where I am now without his help, you know, without all his help, you know, I don't know if I'd be racing or what, but, you know, he came from nothing at all. And so like, even though he, uh, did a lot of work on the cars, you know, building the cars when I was first starting out, you know, he kind of gave me a mindset of like, you know, you know, I knew the struggles he went through cause he always talked about it, you know, as I was growing up. So I kind of got that uh, vision and I always got that, um, you know, I, I was never, or I was always fortunate to see my dad work. You know, our, sh- the shop is right across the house, you know, just, you can walk across the driveway and I'd always, you know, go out there after school and I see my dad working and busting his ass and I see my mom working out there with him and, you know, my dad, you know, lunches and dinners are him talking about the stuff that stresses him out with work. So like, I'm fortunate to see that. Whereas a lot of kids growing up, they don't see what their parents do. They don't see, you know, the dad that goes off and he's gone for a week and he comes back, you know, on, on a business trip or whatever. They don't get to see what their dad is doing. They don't know where the money is coming from and, and what. And I kind of, you know, basically in a way, you know, a lot of fans, what I'm trying to say is a lot of fans might think like I'm a silver spoon kid or whatever, which, you know, I do, I did have everything I needed to get racing, but I also worked very hard for it too. And my family, both of them came from, from not much. So we're going to talk about your family more in a second. And I I have some thoughts on that as well, but I want to finish this idea of you as this bonsai cushion driver. Cause what's funny about that is I, listen, you were nine years old when dirt on dirt started. Right. So I have literally followed your entire career. You were such a bottom feeder earlier in your career. Your mom said at one point that she told you this, she said, you're the best catfish driver I've ever seen. You're the best bottom feeder I've ever seen. If I told like some 21-year-old guy now that hadn't followed much of your career, like, you know, at one point, this was the best catfish driver you've ever seen. Uh, he was knocking the infield tires in at Fairbury. He was so low on the track. Uh, th- this person would not believe me. Do you remember the exact moment? Because your dad told me today, he knows when it was, when the light switch went off from you, and you went from a guy on the bottom to a guy that is universally known as maybe the greatest cushion driver of all time. Do you remember when that <laughs> happened? I do. Do you know what track that is? I, I, I think Granite City. Is that right or no? Well, that actually, actually, that was a race where I did move up and I was running the top a little bit. But Fairbury, it happened at Fairbury. I was like, I came in and I was like, you know, now I know why like Jason Fager runs up there all the time. It's easier. <laughs> what do you so, mean? Yeah, what do you mean by that? How can it... off the left front, tie rods off left front, knocking spoilers off. How could it be bumping. easier? Explain it to an idiot like me. How is that easier? I don't get it. That makes no sense to me. Why is it easier? Well, I mean, they both are very difficult, especially with the competition nowadays. I mean, they're both very difficult. But in my opinion, it's easier. You to run the bottom. I mean, you got to I mean, you got to hit your marks in both whether you're on the top or the bottom, but I don't know the bottom. Like if you miss it, you miss it bad. And the top, if you miss it, you might hit the wall. I mean, if everything stays together, you're good to go, but you miss the bottom. You're getting, you're getting passed by the guy on top and the bottom. Like you're in the slick and you're done. But 
I don't know. I mean, there's been there's been times like you know, take the Jackson 100. That was two years ago, um, 2018 that I won. That was on the bottom. You know, great race with Davenport, yeah. but um, that was a mud line around the bottom, and I like that. I like I like when a track has a mud line around the bottom and a cushion on top. You just want traction. Two lanes to choose from. <laughs> you just yeah, want I mean traction. a little bit to get a hold of. I mean, hey, we got 900 horsepower cars, and I mean <laughs> the fans want to see a show. As I we can do it. As I always do for these interviews, I talk to people in and around your life about you, and I got some insight about you. People, I people, I don't think realize how quiet of a kid you actually are. You're very measured. You're very calculated. Um, it, here you have this guy in yourself. You are a tsunami on the racetrack, right? This flurry of activity out there. But off the track, it takes a lot to get you excited. Multiple people told me that. You don't get that fired up about talking to people, probably even having to do this interview with me. In fact, I was kind of told, Bobby, that you hate talking was the <laughs> exact term that somebody <laughs> told me. So I do. Why, yeah. why the contrast, bud, from one of the most reserved people you'd ever meet off the track to this, to steal a line from the movie Blades of Glory, a tsunami of swagger on the track. You are <laughs> polar opposite. How, explain that to me. It just it makes no sense to my tiny brain. Explain it to me. Man, I, I don't know. I mean, um, you know, I, I'm pretty, I'm, when I want to get comfortable around people, you know, I, I get to know people like I'm much more open. And a lot of times, I mean, I don't know, at the racetrack, um, it's business, you know. And uh, I've got my mind set on like whatever we need to do, even if everything's ready, I'm, I'm still thinking. And then, yeah, it, it does actually take a lot to kind of get me fired up. Like a lot of times I'm yawning before the race, like we pull on the track and I'm yawning, like, but then when we get racing, it's just like, it flips a switch. And it's like, I'm, I'm good to go. But I don't know. I mean, uh, you do realize that, though, right? How different you are. I mean, those things are you. It's polar opposite. You would agree with that, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I guess so. (laughs) I I see what you mean. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've always kind of been a quieter kid. Um, Not necessarily shy. Like, just I don't know. Just I kind of I kind of like to think a lot before I talk. Sometimes when I get fired up, though, I don't. I just talk, and I don't like to do that. I actually like to think it out before I talk. <laughs> have you ever had, I, I've interviewed, I mean, I don't even, I, I can't even fathom how many times I've interviewed you in the last four to hundred sometimes I've interviewed you over a hundred. I, I think sometimes I've seen you get that little bit of oomph in there, right? Like McC- I know McCready pissed you off last year at the Silver Dollar Nationals, right? That made you mad. And, but you, yeah, yeah, you kind of pull it back a little bit though. You never let that governor go full, you know, I, has that ever happened? Have you ever gone full, fuck it, I'm letting the governor run wide open. You know, we're just, I just, I don't know that I've ever seen that from you. We don't talk about those stories. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear one. No, I mean, <laughs> oh man. I mean, well, I mean, put it this way. We're a family um, operation or at least, I mean, we still are. And we have been mostly forever. And uh, with that, you're on the road with each other all the time. You're at home. You're with each other all the time. I mean, now I have a house. I've had a house for over a year now, but, um, you know, yeah, with, <laughs> you know, even though like me and my parents we have a great relationship with each other and everything, but yeah, there's those moments where it's just like, man, you're, you know, you've had enough and you just got to like, let them know. But <laughs> what's the maddest you've um, ever been in your life? What is the maddest you have ever been? Man, was it at mad your- and like upset or a few different things, but like, um, 
Yeah, I mean, it was like, I guess, a moment where um, something to do with... Uh, it always comes down to racing, you know? <laughs> and it's something that boils from that. But even though it's a sport we love, and, I mean, hey, we wouldn't do it any other way, there's just so much emotion there. And uh, I don't know, I don't really want to get into it. But, yeah, there's uh, the times, I mean, I don't know. Like, when I was a little kid, me and my sister, we fought. That but, doesn't uh, count. I'm, like, not ca- I'm not counting that. that I'm, not, count, I'm not no. counting that. Uh, I, uh, you have my interest. And I've you... never been in a fight. I've never been in a fight, really. You know, I'm, I'm not like a fighter. I, I kind of like to more so just like figure it out instead of fight. But if I have to, I will. Like, I'm not saying I want you to fight somebody, but now I'm like intrigued, right? I mean, I, I just see you on the front <laughs> stretch throw, throw. We'll do a weight class, right? Like, you can't, what, you, you, you know, you're not a ginormous guy. Yeah, we'll I'm match like you up with someone similar. 70. The funny part about you being quiet is your dad, who still, for me and, and Todd Turner both, is the best interview in the history of Dirt Late Model Racing, could not be more opposite of you. Arguably one of the most talkative human beings I've ever met in my entire life. Always has something worthwhile to say. I, I have a theory that maybe Bob talked so much that you didn't, you weren't unable to speak because Bob was always talking. Is that is there any merit to that? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> heck, take the PRI show, for example, or when it used to be uh, IMS. You know, like, we go there and be trying to, you know, talk to product sponsors and my parents just talk away and I'm just kind of standing there like, oh yeah, you know, they're like talking me up and uh, that's just an example. Yeah. And, and whenever he gets interviewed, he loves to talk. I mean, and really when I start getting interviewed, like I kind of have a lot of things to talk about, but him, he's just another level. And so is my mom. The both of them, they love to talk. <laughs> I do know this. I, I spent an hour on the phone with him. I understand completely. You've got this moment in your career where it looks like NASCAR is going to take you. Uh, and I'll be honest, from a selfish perspective, I was like, man, uh, I hate to lose this kid. I mean, what, <laughs> what a he's a shooting star of dirt late model racing. You know, you're getting a shot. You're gonna you're running some asphalt races. You're the darling of the racing world at a young age of this Eldora truck race where you open everybody's eyes to what a stratospheric talent you are. And I stand behind that. People are going to go, oh, Rigsby, kissing his ass. Bobby Pierce is a stratospheric talent. I feel that way. I think you're a generational talent. But the NASCAR thing never really materialized. Again, honesty only here. Why do you think it didn't pan out, bud? What happened to prevent you from having a NASCAR career? Um, there was a lot of things. Uh, n- negativity is very powerful and when you don't feel like you're gonna succeed in something it's a big deal with dirt i've been around it my whole life i know it i barely ever watch nascar um i don't think it's as fun to watch um every time i got the opportunity it was great but you know when you go to a racetrack and it's like you know if you finish 10th in this truck that's like a win for us because you're not (laughs) supposed to win in this truck or this car, you know, if you can make this show, that's like a win, you know, like, no, I want to go and win. Like, I want to know I'm in something capable of winning. Um, so that's, uh, something. And and to do that, it takes big sponsorship, you know, like you hear about it, like three and a half million dollars sponsorship that some of these kids are bringing to run a, like a top, top notch truck team just to try and win races so you can possibly make a name for yourself. Where like, I mean, I've already got a name for myself in the dirt world. And like, you know, there's so much, there's so much to be accomplished in dirt late model racing. And, uh, but between a lot of that, I mean, like 
I always said it would have been really cool to get more opportunities, but at the same time, like, man, you know, I want to go win 10 world hundreds. Like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't know. Even though it's, it's hard work. Everything is hard work for sure. You know, like these guys that drive asphalt cars, you know, like that, that have made it like, like take Tyler Reddick, you know, me and him are great friends and he's doing big things right now um, in a cup car. And he came from basically what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, luckily for him, you know, he had a little bit to help get there. And then when he got there, he made a big name for himself and kept, kept rolling with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just so much, you know, there's so much that goes into that and, you know, like dirt, I don't know. At the end of the day, I just feel like dirt's where it's at. Like, even though it's smaller scale, you know, everyone knows it is. I don't know. It's just well, to your point to me, me, to me, what you do, uh, there's this guy out there. I don't know if you've ever seen his videos on Facebook, this Chaz Thompson guy. I don't know anything about him. Have you ever seen this guy's videos, Chaz Thompson on Facebook? Yeah, I've, yeah. He's got I've the, heard the, he's, the, the yeah. hat and all that, you know, the crazy hat. And uh, listen, yeah. I'm not going to pretend I know a lot about this guy. I don't know a lot about Chaz. I've met him a few times. He was always nice enough to me. Um, so absolutely. Yeah, no but one thing I will say about him, one one of the points he makes that I agree with is that somehow dirt racing became marginalized. It became, well, it's not as impressive because it's not the highest level of competition. Here's my issue with NASCAR. Can I just say, what you do, Bobby, is more impressive to me than what guys do on Sunday. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but to me, to watch you blast the cushion at Eldora for 60 laps takes more raw talent. Maybe somebody could come on these airwaves and tell me why that's not the case, and I would hear them out and go, okay, I get it now. But the point I'm trying to make is, you can't go be a middle linebacker in the NFL if your dad has a lot of money. You can't go be a starting point guard on an NBA team if your dad has a lot of money. You can go race in cup right now if your dad has a lot of money. And that is a fatal right. effing flaw in that what is supposed to be the highest form of motorsports on the planet to me. And that has to piss someone like you off, in my opinion, because it pisses me off. Yeah, it does. It does for sure. I mean, it's like, and I don't know, you know, for me growing up, like, I didn't idolize anyone in NASCAR. I idolized guys that raced dirt modified. Like, you know, I... <laughs> I not saying like, Oh, I want to do that someday. But like, I don't know. I just looked up some of those guys. I thought what, you know, I, I don't know. I loved watching like sprint cars and modifies late models, stuff like that. And I like, yeah, I mean, same thing. It never really interested me as, as much. I thought like some of the dirt stuff is way cooler. And I agree. I mean, I, all of us nowadays, you know, whether you're racing a dirt car, you know, late model sprint car, or NASCAR, whatever, we're all athletes now. Like, you know, and it's all so difficult. Um, but yeah, it, it is crazy when you think of it that way. And, uh, and I mean, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of talent for sure, but like you said, there is a lot of that too. Yeah. It just, I don't know. I, I just, I think one thing's more impressive than the other. Did you, did it, you kind of touched on it. You never really wanted to do it. Was, was the NASCAR thing for you kind of like, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm a famous race car driver and I've done this and now I'm supposed to move up and I make more money. I, I feel like maybe for you, it was as much of that as it was, it was something you wanted to do, right? It almost felt like more something you thought you were supposed to do than you actually wanted to do. Yeah, I feel like you kind of hit the nail on the head. You know, one thing that I think is unfair to you sometimes, you almost get beat up a little bit because your entire racing operation is a family affair. Your dad, your mom, your sister, every part of your racing team. I, I don't know, though. I feel like in a weird way, people hold that against you. Do you feel that way sometimes? Like people almost think, man, his family is so involved that that like bothers them in a way. 
Like, you know, I don't know it's a jealousy thing. And listen, your mom listen, your mom's yeah. not afraid to tell people this, but that's that's every racing mom. I don't know. You you tell me. I think sometimes you get pegged unfairly because of that. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, um yeah, I mean, you know, everyone gets associated with the people you're around. Um I have suave. You know, I get for, it. For, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, um, yeah, and, and I mean, there was many instances, too, where it's like my family would get involved in stuff, and uh, it's like I'm just I'm just sitting there like, you know, like y'all don't even know what really happened. And uh, I, I don't know. It's um, it, it is, it's crazy, too. Like family is closer than than probably anything, you know, and when it, when it comes to that, I mean, they're always going to stick up for you, sometimes maybe too much. Um, <laughs> And that's probably what caused some of the things. But, yeah, I don't know what people um, – I don't know. I mean, I'm sure some people wish, you know, it's like if if they're possibly jealous, you know, they wish, oh, I wish I had a dad that, you know, built race cars. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, hey, it's just it's, – <laughs> you know, what do you want me to do? Like, have you ever thought – have you ever – listen, I would ask your mom this question if she was on the line with us. Have you ever had a moment where your mom – or your sister, or your dad, who are, okay, what, what a dream scenario for you to have all these great allies in your corner. I'll even throw Uncle Will in there. Have you ever had a moment where one of them, you're like, oh, yeah. uh, it, where you're like, okay, guys, I, I appreciate you defending me here, but uh, it's too much. Like, have you ever have you ever had one of those moments in your career? Oh, yeah, no, for sure, for <laughs> sure. I mean, yeah, like, oh, man, yeah, for sure, definitely, like, a lot. Give me an example. Give me one example. Um. So everyone knows about the time my sister chased around a uh, crew guy around the uh, Arizona Speedway infield. I actually forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> you did? I actually did. I actually Man. did forget about it. I mean, I remember it, but now, not until you say it, I wasn't thinking about that. So. Yeah, and, and, and she wasn't even actually like, um, like with technically like, like working for us. See, that was with Dunn Benson. That was my first year with them. Right. <laughs> like one of the first races with them. And... Um, well, I see what happened there was, um, I'm not going to call any names out, but like my dad got shoved off the four wheeler yeah. after an incident on the racetrack that was completely a racing deal. And they can think it wasn't, was whatever. It was completely a racing deal. And my dad got pushed off the four wheeler for nothing. And he has bad knees. He's old. And so my sister was like, she wasn't having it. She's more, she's, you know, it doesn't take her, like her fuse is short. My <laughs> fuse is kind of, you know, a little longer, but, um, yeah. So yeah, she wasn't having it. One of the interesting conversations. And then I had to be like, you know, hey, I appreciate, you know, it's like, it's great. You know, we all need to stick up for each other, but it's like, uh. <laughs> so when does that conversation happen? You and her go back in the holler and go, it's like, all right, guys, team meeting here. So again, she wasn't even part of your team then, but do you just say to each other, all right, we don't, come on. You know, is that, how does that conversation with Sierra go or, or your mom or whoever? Um, it's normally a lot of different opinions. <laughs> Let's say that. Is it? Is there a lot of yelling? I envision like I envision it being hot and heavy for twenty minutes, and then you guys are all eating dinner, and you're fine. That's kind of how I feel it goes. Yeah, for sure. I'd like to sit in on one of those if possible at some point. <laughs> if you could make that happen, there's something every day. Let me tell you. One of the interesting conversations I had with your dad about you was you going to run Dun Benson, like you just talked about, and you were in a rocket car when you went, obviously, and ran the Dun Benson deal. And they, your dad said he he knew it might hurt the Pierce business a little bit, but they kind of wanted you to feel like, you know, you've been on an island basically in that Pierce car. You mentioned Ryan Unziger, but just not a lot of guys that have ran it. 
And they wanted you to feel like you were kind of part of something bigger with that Rocket Clan, that Rocket Bunch, just just something a little more tied in. Um, and, you know, the Dunn-Benson thing, part of that, too. But they kind of thought at the end of the day, maybe just your personality, you are sort of better on your own in a way. You don't need a community sense that some guys have. Do you have any thoughts on that, But I kind of wanted to hear your perspective on that a little bit, a, yeah. real, a real honest take on that. Well, this is a great time. Um, I mean, a lot of people have... You know, they're very confused about, like, what chassis am I running, like, all sorts of different stuff with that and, and everything. Like, that Dunn-Benson year, like, we were getting the rocket cars before Dunn-Benson even called me, um, before Kemp, and, you know, before Kemp called me, and we plan on doing that. And then they called, and we're like, well, okay, you know, a lot of different stuff going on here. Um, so we did that, and then my dad also became a rocket dealer. Um, we never really, we wanted to take off. My dad wanted to take off. We never really sold much. Um, you know, my dad didn't sell much, uh, as far as like being a rocket dealer and he was still building Pierce cars at the time. So it was very confusing to a lot of people. Like what, what in the world was going on? And, uh, then last year towards the end of the year, we started going back to Pierce cars, um, focusing on them more, uh, and and now here we are still racing them and but yeah with that Dunn Benson uh thing it was great um you know it really taught me a lot like I've never worked for anybody in my life you know that was my <laughs> first time like being an employee I guess per se you know I was uh on a salary because like I, I would be there like every other week uh and I'd work there but you know they had three or four guys already I didn't feel like I was like all that needed um but it was it was a good deal. Just uh, the distance, you know, from home, and, you know, just you know, not saying like I'm not really independent enough. But my dad, being the crew chief, he needed to, or the car chief, you could say, he kind of wanted to be there with the cars, and that was a hassle. And then even myself, like I like working on the cars. You know, I like being hands on with them. I feel like if I'm not like every week, like I feel like I get stupid, you know? And I don't know, like that's a good word to say, but it's like, just, I don't know. You got to turn some wrenches or something to like, feel like you're still super, super involved. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, it just didn't maybe fit, someday right? it just didn't fit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe someday I'm just a, you know, helmet bag carrier, but you know, right now I'm not right now. I've, and it was a difficult time, like, when I decided to leave Dunn Benson and start my own thing, like, you know, I had X amount in the bank account, and then towards the end, by the time about chucking a trailer, and we were adding on to the shop, and we were, you know, hiring crew guys, and I even bought a freaking house during that time, like, you know, it went down to, like, nothing. It's like, <laughs> whew, kind of a stressful time, like, I need to win some races. And, um, you know, really, I think, I don't know. I mean, more than like, if you, if some of these guys ever get lazy, like on the track, like, Oh, I don't need to win this race. Like I think it's good to have the edge. Like, Oh, I need to win this race. Even I, though you don't, I mean, everyone wants to win, but it's like, some guys have to win. About like, some guys have to win. Yeah. Mike Marler always used to say that some of these guys don't race to eat. Marler said, I used to race to eat, you know? Um, and I know not literal food on the table, but I think that's what he meant, right? Like literal, actual fricking food on the table. So if you don't, if you don't have that hunger, if your bank account's sitting on zero, you're right. Some of these guys just don't, I don't think they want it as bad as you. I don't. 
and I'm not necessarily even, I mean, like I am talking about the money, but like, I'm not in the same sense. Like, but even though like, you know, it's in the back of your mind, I guess, in a, in a sense, whereas if, uh, you know, you don't need, you don't need to push the car a little bit harder yeah. this lap, but this guy, he's gonna. I've always wanted to do an exercise where I take a guy from Illinois, whether it's you, Brandon Shepard, whoever, and I lay out an entire schedule for you with two options. One option is where you're following a national tour. You're a Lucas guy. You're a World of Outlaws guy. Another one is where you're following the Hell Tour, plus other select big events. Because if you're from Illinois, the Hell Tour is very reasonable for you to do. And the other big events are Eldora, Florence, Knoxville, Wheatland, whatever. And I truly wanted to see financially which one works more from a guy from Illinois, right? And it really only makes sense from a guy from Illinois because you've got 30 races in your backyard with the Hell Tour. National, right. national Tour... Waiting for them to start. <laughs> right, yeah. National Tour Series directors always say, oh, Bobby and those guys are crazy. They'd make more money doing this. I've heard them all say it. People that do your schedule will say, those National Tour guys are nuts. This is way better for me if I do the Hell Tour plus these big events. Solve this for me. Does it just make that much more sense when you live in Oakwood, Illinois, like you do, to run the schedule you do. You've done them both. Does it just make more sense? Well, I mean, that's it all depends. And I know that's like not the answer you want. But <laughs> You're right, it's honestly, not. Honestly, <laughs> that's what it is. Um, you know, you look at certain guys might have sponsorships strictly just to run a series. Um, you might have guys that they might run really good on all these other tracks. I don't really think I'm a guy that runs all that great on the, like take Southeastern tracks. I mean, I don't have all that much experience compared to you look at the guys that run Lucas from world outlaw. A lot of them, I mean, a lot of them really are kind of from, you know, a lot of those areas, you know, take like a Tennessee area or like, uh, you know, just the Southeast, you know, stuff. And those tracks are different. They are, you know, um, you know, you can all say it's a dirt track. It's all the same shape or whatever about, but, you know, they're very, very different. And, uh, you know, you to be someone that is, I mean, we're doing it for money and, you know, trying to make a living off of it uh, and win races, you know, we all want to win races too. So, you know, it's, it's a boost of confidence when you win races. So you might think like, well, let's say, for example, you were going to make this amount of money this year but you're going to make just a tick less by staying closer to home or, or something. You might do that just because it's so much easier. Like traveling is, is hard, especially when you're going like the long distances, you know, like I can't explain how, how much easier it kind of makes stuff when you're going, when you're talking like five hour drive compared to like a 10 hour drive, yeah, like, yeah. you know, it's just, and, and it's, it's not only that, but I mean, um, just, yeah, the stuff that makes sense, uh, like for us, I don't know. I, Illinois is a great spot for summer nationals. And like we got Iowa, you know, has, has races. Like I'm not talking about summer national race, some other type yeah, of Yeah, MLRA stuff, and all like, that, yeah. Yeah, and like Wisconsin, like Missouri. And I don't know. I mean, the Midwest is a really good area to kind of just do anything you want. So why would you do so? Why would you go somewhere you have to be? That's what I always think, right? Yeah. Like that when you, that, I, I feel like a national tour schedule looms for people. And what I mean by, oh, Thursday, I have to be in South Carolina. Having to be somewhere to me would be tough. Is that fair? Yeah, it's tough. And, and you know, it's like a lot of those tracks, like I, like I said, I just don't like, like you, you talk about South Carolina, for example, like no offense to South Carolina tracks, but like, I don't think there's one that I would 
be like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to love going here. I'm going to have a great shot of winning. Like, no, I, I, I don't. So, like, I know that. And uh, But when we're talking, like, anywhere, literally anywhere with some good black dirt, I'm probably all in. <laughs> <laughs> Do you? What's the worst fight you and your dad have ever had? And I mean the worst one. I mean, listen, I've seen you two yell at each other a hundred times. That's typical. But does one stand out to you where you're like, we almost killed each other? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, there was one time I was about to throw hands. Where, um, where and what happened? Uh, man, a lot of stuff. Eldora. So I won the World 100 in 2016. It was, it was great. Um, you know, with winning that, like, you know, it was a long time coming for Illinois, long yeah. time coming for my dad. You know, my dad, basically, he he won it now. You know, he was, you know, he he's the guy that makes all the work. And, you know, I'm the driver. And uh, so it was great. It was a great year. The year after... Uh, let's see what happened. I was up to, I think like top 10, something happened. I think, I can't remember what it was, but I had a flat tire. No, I didn't have a flat tire, but I, I pulled in to change. I think I actually wasn't in the top 10 yet. And we pulled in, we changed the tire within like a few laps. I was like in the top 10. Well, the mud cover didn't get put back on because he was like, I'll leave it off. And uh, I don't, I don't know. Well, it didn't get put back on. It got filled with mud. Um, so like three laps in, there was still like 20 laps to go. And I was like, I was moving cause we, we put a 20 on. So, I mean, I was, I was going forward pretty quick and, but the wheel got filled with mud. So when that happens, it vibrates so bad. You can't, you can't race. You got to pull in. And, uh, so that started the night off pretty bad. You know, it's like last year we won, we had high hopes, you know, we come back with the Joker car, you know, hopefully we win again. Right. Like, 2015 I ran second 2016 I ran first we got we got to win again uh you just have you know the hope of doing it and so the night started off bad there and then heck some other things happened uh I think we we're probably drinking our sorrows away a little bit <laughs> too much and um heck I can't I all remember exactly what happened but anyway towards the end of the night we're parked out there. We're still Eldora. And then, yeah, like words were being said and yeah, I was like in his face. Yeah. And, good stuff. And uh, I mean, I need a little more context than that. I mean, was there any, I mean, listen, I've seen, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I mean, did it come to blows or no? Um, so I actually got offensive over something. Um, but I won't get into that. Okay. But I, I was getting offensive over it and no, we didn't, no, we didn't hit each other. My mom was in there yelling. My sister was in there yelling. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's good. I got a picture. I, you've, you've painted a clear enough picture. We talked about your dad in that light, but I know he's been like the guiding light for you. What's the best thing he's ever taught you? What's the best thing? Uh, yeah, he, honestly, he's taught me a lot. Um, I think one of the best things is, I mean, I don't know. I've said he's a hard worker and really like, I don't know. He's just, his work ethic is, is, a uh, is a lot. And I don't know. He's kind of, even without like, that's something without actually like him speaking words. It's just kind of, he's taught me, I guess. Just you watching that year after your entire life, right? Like literally then you're from diapers on, you've been watching him work. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, he's, uh, what is he now? Like 67, 68? He's my dad's age, 67. Something like that. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, honestly, like he, he is so, he's so focused at certain times, but then he can turn right around, like make 
make some sort of joke, but he's more focused than like, I feel like your average dad or something, you know? And like, he's always, yeah. I know when, when you're around him, he's like joking around with you a lot. I don't know. It's like he loves you or something, but, (laughs) (laughs) but like, he's very focused on the task at hand, but also he can be like, um, unless something doesn't go good. And then the night's like, Oh, it's all, it's all out of whack, but he's, uh, yeah, I don't know. Very, very focused, hard worker. And I've kind of noticed that and, and just, uh, you know, if you kind of want something bad enough, you can get it. And I mean, how old he is, like he's still out there in the shop and that kind of shows me that, uh, you know, I don't know, like heck if sometimes I feel like I'm like tired or something, like I'm only 23, like quit being a baby, I guess. We always ask the old guys, um, do you like the direction the sport is going? But why not ask a young guy? We never ask young guys, do you like the direction the sport is going? Uh, if so, what do you like? If not, what don't you like? Um, be as honest about this as anything I've asked. What What do you or don't you like uh, about where the sport's headed? I like the TV stuff. That's really cool. I just wish that they would show some, if they can, I know they probably try but if if they could show some more, like like broaden it out, like there's so much East Bay, like man, like every time I'm on there, I'm seeing East Bay racing. Uh, but that's good. I, I like the TV stuff because I mean, uh, e- even though like a lot of the younger generation, I don't think we really watch TV that much. I think we're watching like just other stuff, right. or you know, like we're on our phones watching stuff, getting our stuff from that. Um, I have noticed a lot of the series seem seem to be like doing a a lot better job on social media, which that's good. Um, Cause the future is, you know, the future is the younger generation as, as well. And uh, I think that's good. I think uh, there's a lot of bad things about it. I mean, I'm gonna be completely honest. Like there's a lot of bad things. I don't like how one of my biggest pet peeves is I don't like how so much information from like the NASCAR world is getting in dirt late model racing. And there's not enough going around and like no offense to any of these series and like any of the guys like they're they're busting their ass but like there's so much stuff to check on these cars like to make sure we're all like fair you know you're saying and they, a lot of times they, i'm they, in the pit area yeah they can't possibly tech it enough they're not they, they can't possibly right, yeah right. there's not enough there's not enough hands and uh that's one thing i don't know that, that's just one of the things like i i know with how hard we work like I just want everything to be fair and uh you know I want everyone to have the same chance and uh like I'm not even talking about cost I'm just talking about things that like just can't there's not enough to go around and that that's one thing um, cuz we've always played the game you know very fair and and uh whatever but um that that's one thing but and then like other things like as far as expenses go um you know, there's a, there's a lot you get in with that, but then every time you, you get into that, you're messing up some company's operation. Like someone is selling these parts yeah. for this. You know, if you're talking shocks, if you're talking like changing the shocks up to where like a series hands you a set of shocks. So it's like more old school type racing. Like you're hurting the guy that makes shocks or like if you're talking motors, you know, like these guys that build these big motors, you know, they make their money off that. Like, I think one of the biggest things I saw this is like so many different classes. Oh, don't even get and I'm not talking like classes at a racetrack, but like classes in general. Like 
there doesn't need to there like I just wish all across the nation is the same thing as tires. I just wish so badly all across the nation there would be a a late model, a modified, a sprint car, and a street stock. That's it. You mean you don't like and going to a race where there's 602 late models, 604 late models, crate late models, super late models, steel block late models, all at the same yeah, event? I've no seen offense. About. No offense to those guys that race them and, and maybe move down the class because you can't afford it. But like, I don't know. It's just like it spreads everyone so thin, I feel like. I agree. And that's what Derek and, Derek. and then the tire rules bug me way. Like, tire rules just, I mean. Get but, into it. Why? What know. is it about the tire rule that sucks? Tell me. Dude, everything. I mean, like if I go if I go west, I'm fine until I get like four hours west. If I go east, I gotta have different tires. If I go south, I mean, don't even get me started. Like, it's just like I don't know. And it's just it's not just cost; it's time, right? Because you gotta mount all the. I mean, yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah. And it's just the the logistics of it all. Like, it's just it's it's hard. Last couple things. I don't know if you realize this or not, but you're only 23. I'm not sure you know that or not. <laughs> I I feel like I've been watching you race for 100 years, so it feels like you're 80 already. You're 23. You've won a world. You've won a North-South. You've won a Show Me. You've won a Silver Dollar National, obviously Summer Nationals titles, all that. You're 23. All the controversies in your career, all the wins in your career, all the heartbreak in your you actually had a lot of heartbreak. People forget about some some close calls you've had, some heartbreak. You're only twenty three. You're only twenty three. Are you are you tired already? Cause the NASCAR stand, everything all everything you've been through, all of it, you're only twenty three. But you've done a you've done like a lifetime's worth of shit already, I feel like. Are you tired already? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. No, I mean, heck, honestly, um, I I go through phases though, and uh, like I don't know. Lately, it's like in the past year, like I've been a lot more. Um, you know, something happens. It's like oh, it's, I mean, it's a big deal, but it's not that big of a deal. Like, I, I don't know. It, it's not. It's not the end of the world. You know, if something happens. And, uh, you know, like take, um, just take this past weekend, you know, I really wasn't like, I still had a, had a smile on my face, even though like, like I would have, could have should a moment, you know, that caution came out. Like there was no caution the whole race right until I took the lead. <laughs> and like, I damn near went a full lap and like, I crossed the line, but like no one else did. So we had to go back a lap and then I knew like, I wasn't going to, you know, I wasn't going to pass Chris. So that's the moment where it's like, I don't know. I still had a smile on my face. Like, I was like, look at the bright side. You know, we were fast. Um, I don't know. I've lost races. Like, take the Dirt Million, for example, um, to Earl Pearson. You know, if that caution wouldn't have came out, he wasn't in the picture. And Bab had a flat tire under that caution, whereas that moved Earl up another row. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. And so he wasn't even in the picture. And I had, like, seven laps to go. Take i-80 the first time oh yeah like i was checked out you know that's big money take knoxville like i messed up you know i threw a slider on jimmy jumped the cushion like i messed up like that's one of the hardest times is where it's like you mess up yourself but um you know that's way worse than like a part failure or something but you know what that is it's uh, it's maturity you and i don't mean like oh you're an immature kid but i mean i'm 38 now don't laugh i'm 30 i'm 38 now and you're 
And I say this with all due respect to you, because I know you're a really smart kid. You're an idiot when you're 23, right? No disrespect, but like, yeah, I'm just, still an idiot. <laughs> you're just like, I was an idiot when I was 30 still. Like, you just. No, dude. Like, I think back to some of the stuff I, like, I don't know, just some stuff I did, like, when I was a little younger. I mean, we've all kind of been there with right. stuff. It's like, what was I doing? Right. Oh, oh. It, you just, you mature. And, and the great irony of life, bud, is that you don't really figure life out till you're like 55. And then you're like, oh shit, I'm, I'm almost dead. <laughs> you're like, you're, yeah. mid, you're mid 50s. And you're like, oh, yeah. if I'd only known this when I was 18, right? How great this would be. So um, I want to end it like I always do with a bunch of true or false questions. All right. So true or false. Okay. Here we go. I got four of them for you. True or false. If you were not a dirt late model driver, you would be an architect or an artist. True or false? Wait, wait, I, wait. I just do true or false. I, I, architect or artist. Ar- I'm grouping them together as one. True or false, that would be your profession. One okay. of those two things, true or false. Um, hmm. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was pretty artsy. Like, I took art, and I, I mean, I've got some cool drawings and stuff. And, like, yeah, I built, like, I, I drew buildings that look pretty cool. So, I, yeah. I heard this about you. That's why I thought. I thought that might be it. True or false, you were a straight-A student in school. Oh, true, yeah. Like, are we talking like straight, straight A's here or what are we talking about? Yeah, man. Like if I had a B, like, no, we got to get that up. (laughs) See, I guarantee you, no one knows this about you. Straight A's people. I don't, that's one of the things about me, even though I didn't like it, I didn't like school, but like, I just felt like I had to get it done. I had to do it like, right. How you do, how you do anything is how you do everything. That's what I always say. So I appreciate that. Um, Okay. True or false? The best gift you've ever gotten from your dad, and I think this is really cool, were his tools in his toolbox that he had, he had used for much of his career. He gave you his tools and toolbox uh, for you to have for the rest of your life. That's the best gift you've ever gotten from your dad. <laughs> true or false? Uh, yeah, actually, from my dad, true. Oh, somebody else yeah. gave you a better gift? I'd like to hear about this other gift, actually. What's the well, other Well, no, gift? it's just like when it comes to gifts, like like Christmas, my birthday, like that's my mom, you know, like she's the one shopping. Right. Right. For gifts and stuff. Okay. All right. That, that makes but what, sense. What was the question? Like is the best gift I ever got was that gift? No, no. From your dad, from your, dad. from your dad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Three truths so far. Uh, true or false. It pisses you off when somebody else gets in a guy or ruffles some feathers on the racetrack and not a lot gets made of it. But when you make contact with a guy, the internet blows up. True or false? That pisses you off. <laughs> True, um, but I mean, I've kind of learned that, like, you know, fans are going to see things their own way, and it's like, even my fans are going to see things their own way. But yeah. So true. <laughs> yeah, true. All right, bud. That was four trues. Uh, that was great, man. I, I really appreciate it, Bobby. Um, like I said, I, I called for those of you guys listening right now. I called Bobby and I texted him before and. It's not like I don't think you and I don't have co- honest conversations, but but I just wanted you to, I wanted the audience to know too that you know you just could open up and be honest about things, and you know, the, the, listen, this guy's an architect, and this guy, you know, this guy does get mad sometimes when his when his family is is being crazy, just like everybody. I don't, know, I just wanted people to hear those things about you, and I, I, I hope we accomplished that honestly for the people listening. I, ho- I hope you felt comfortable. I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> so, oh yeah. Well, and now that I know your dad loves me, I'm really going to take more advantage of that. So, (laughs) (laughs) All right, buddy. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, buddy. How does PPM Racing consistently produce such high-quality parts? 
They start with a good, strong design. Then they make it out of the highest quality, the best American materials, and they use the smartest, strongest techniques. PPM does this with every single part that they make, literally every time they make one. So when you're using PPM parts, what you have is very simply just built better than anything else you've been using. PPM. Not sure if you saw, by the way, but we made a huge announcement on Tuesday morning. Flow Sports has acquired Speedshift TV, who I consider one of the preeminent streaming companies easily in all of short track racing. And all of Speedshift events will begin appearing on Flow very, very soon once we figure out all the subscription details. And soon after that, Speedshift will dissolve into Flow and it will all be on one network. Then hopefully soon after that, the Dirt on Dirt subscription will be part of that as well. We Trust me, it's a lot to figure out. But eventually, guys, this is all headed towards a $150 a year subscription. Um, but it's awesome. Speedshift, now part of the Flow Racing and Dirt on Dirt network, is... Oh my goodness. But this is awesome. Speedshift, now part of the Dirt on Dirt and Flow Racing network. Just incredible. And I, I had a vision when I became GM of Flow Racing. It's starting to happen. DOD, Speedshift, and Flow, all under one umbrella. And we're not done yet. We have more coming soon, all for 150 bucks. I'm just, I'm just, I really am excited about where this is headed and what we can do. I, I will not, I will not rest until this thing is exactly where I want it to be. I think everybody that knows me knows that to be the case. So that's exci- exciting news. It's time to start consolidating some of the power in short track racing. Uh, Rigsby Report will be back much sooner than it was last time. Again, we were just so much racing. I just didn't have time, but back on a somewhat regular schedule now. Thank you to Bobby Pierce. By the way, opening night of Fairbury, my home track, back this week, $3,000 to win Falls Cup. You can watch that live on Dirt on Dirt and Flow Racing, both on Saturday night. The Falls Cup is back, and, of course, tons of other stuff on DOD as well. Uh, Again, thanks to Bobby. Appreciate you guys. We'll be back soon. Thanks. (laughs)